My name is Lindsay Henderson. I work as a product sales engineer here at Bentley Systems, and I'm a host of Water Experts Unfiltered. This is a podcast channel dedicated to water infrastructure professionals, experts, enthusiasts, and anyone who has interest in topics related to hydraulics and hydrology. In each episode, we invite one of our Bentley experts to talk about industry topics, trends, and real solutions for real problems. If you have a thirst for water knowledge, stay tuned because we will quench your curiosity, not with drops, but with the constant flow of water knowledge. Today, I'm excited to speak with one of our Open Flows experts. He's my go-to person when I have questions about anything water. His passion for the industry really shines through. Let's start by having you introduce yourself and explain how you got interested in the water industry. Hello, Lindsay. Glad to be talking to you again. I'm Simon Newton. I'm part of our solutions engineering team here at Bentley, where I really leverage all of my skills that I've picked up from our consulting world into wastewater, water treatment, uh, water distribution, all of those great things that we can do on our water side. So introduce myself. Uh, So I am a New Zealander, as you can probably hear from the accent. And growing up in New Zealand, my parents live on a farm, very rurally, and they grew up, well, I grew up right next to a river. So pretty much every waking hour, apart from being at school, I was in the river playing around with water flow, creating weirs, dams, swimming, uh, fishing, hiking along water. So water really has been a part of my life for a very long time. And that really led to my decision to jump into water resources engineering. So that's what I studied at university in Canterbury, New Zealand. So I went through and gained a civil and natural resources degree, focusing in on that water aspects. And over the past uh, nearly a decade, I've been working uh, with a focus on the water side of things. So I have got a nice breadth of knowledge across all of our water ecosphere. Uh, As New Zealand is a relatively small place, I worked for a pretty large consultancy there. And with that consultancy, being a new graduate and going through into intermediates, we were exposed, or I was exposed to all ranges of our water uh, engineering programs and projects here. So looking at wastewater treatment, Uh, water distribution modelling, collections modelling, looking at actually building those systems, constructing it in the uh, urban environment for our collections on the wastewater side of things, looking at environmental regulations, really getting a nice broad uh, understanding and appreciation of all the things we do in our wastewater uh, and water engineering world. So with that, I came the States a few years back where I jumped into another large consultancy and I continue working on the water world and I jumped into riverine studies uh, looking primarily at the 2D modeling aspect of that also stormwater so really rounded out my experience for that so that's kind of my background where I am at at the moment and I've joined Bentley I think I've been here for just over two years now and really uh, loving it so far. We are going through, I get to leverage all of that experience that we have, or that I have 
picked up over the last uh, nearly a decade here and really helping out our users and jumping in and explaining how our water works and how great water is, talking to very passionate people, which I love doing. So water is my passion. I do love water uh, and I can't see myself doing anything else with that. Awesome. Pretty cool that uh, your background living next to the river has kind of ignited your entire life passion. It's funny how things from our childhood can really put us onto a certain trip for the rest of our lives. Um, but we're happy to have you here in the States and at Bentley with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure working with you because you have such a great passion for water. And I'm excited to talk about today's topic with you, uh, which is flushing. So maybe we can jump into that and you can explain a little bit about flushing. Okay, for so, sure. Oh, yeah, sorry, just I cut make, you off here. No, <laughs> I was thinking maybe you could just start with why do we flush a water distribution system in general? Um, we know that, you know, the primary function of a water distribution system is to get water to residences and hopefully it's great tasting water. But if that's the main goal, then why is it so important to flush? Absolutely. Sorry for cutting you off, Elijah. I'm just so excited <laughs> to start talking about our water distribution and our flushing, flushing system. So flushing, as you mentioned before, uh, really our main purpose of our water distribution network is to supply water to our residents, our industrial complexes, commercial properties, uh, and really have that water be great tasting and also palatable and drinkable. So that's where... Uh, our flushing programs come into play where we do have uh, potentially we have some uh, water quality issues or source contaminants that get into our system and propagate through our water distribution network. And with our water distribution network, because it is a closed system, sometimes it takes a long time for those uh, issues to resolve themselves as it gets pushed through the system as we open our taps in our residential. <coughs> Uh, houses, we open those taps, we get that water out, and that slowly flushes the system. So we're really doing it on a much greater scale, where we can open up hydrants. So those fire hydrants, we can go and connect to those. And when we open those hydrants up, we get a lot of flow out of our system. So with that flow out of the system, that just speeds up the process of moving that water throughout our system. So that's the basis of our water flushing. We're really trying to bring in fresh, new, clean water, or I shouldn't say clean water, I should say more palatable or more drinkable water for all of our residents and all of our users within that network. So when I think about flushing, I think of a few reasons why we may do that. Uh, the first one really is based on that water quality aspect. So do we have some complaints within our our system or within our utility or our constituents. Do we need to go out there and flush that? Maybe it is a colour or taste or odour and we need to actually bring some new water into that system. So that's the, the complaints response. Uh, we do have those uh, issues coming directly from our users. Alternatively, we may have uh, some routine flushing programs on our system where we can go through and just set up our uh, our system, our water quality analysis, 
from operating our system for a long time, we actually jump in and figure out, okay, we actually need to flush this system after our low flow periods during winter, say. So we can get ahead of those complaints by actually implementing a flushing program. Along the same lines as that, we can get ahead of the curve or ahead of those complaints by setting up a flushing program, and that ties quite nicely into our hydrant testing. So the second reason for our water distribution networks is actually for our emergency responses. So making sure we have those hydrants working, functional for our fire department. So when our houses uh, catch on fire, we've actually got enough water there to fight those fires and uh, really make sure we have got a good response for that. So that ties quite nicely into our flushing program. We can go out and operate those hydrants and make sure they are working as intended. If we don't have uh, customer complaints or we don't need to go out and test our hydrants, sometimes we can just flush our pipes based on some attached growth. So with our attached growth, maybe we have got some experience in that. Maybe when we uh, shut down some valves, we get some higher velocities through some pipes and some of those customers or some of our metering shows some attached growth that has been dislodged. Uh, so that's where we can jump in and do some unidirectional flushing. So we'll touch on that in a bit here, but a unidirectional flushing is pretty much where we uh, optimize the path of water to increase our velocities to scour out our pipes. But again, we'll touch on that here in a minute. I am sure uh, for, uh, as we get into the more of the detail here. Yeah, you know, that's interesting um, how you phrased about the taps are essentially like mini flushings, but not at all to the scale that's needed for scour or anything in the pipes. I never really thought about it like that. So um, just a unique perspective there. And it sounds like water quality, I, you kind of are coming back to that with all of your points there between the color and the taste and everything. So that seems to be a pretty major aspect. Um, could you maybe quickly summarize water quality and how it relates to flushing um, overall? Well, sure. So yeah, water quality, as you mentioned, it is one of those main aspects for our water distribution network. Again, we want to provide great tasting water, safe water to all of our users. So with our water quality, uh, we want to make sure, again, color, taste, stability, uh, all of those uh, within those ranges, we have the best tasting water that we can provide. So within our water quality, again, we've got some hydraulic models that we can go through and actually model all of these processes. So we can look at uh, if we have any contaminants that come in through our source water. I know uh, there's been a few of those issues in the past where we can actually use our hydraulic model to see how far and wide they do spread and how quickly they spread. And that's really where our flushing comes into it. So then we can determine how far that contaminant has spread using our water quality. And then we can use our model to determine how long and how quickly we need to actually flush that system for us. So water quality, pretty big, important aspect of our system. And it really pairs really nicely with our flushing program. The other side of our water quality is that we can model the interaction of, say, chlorines and chloramines uh, with some multi-species uh, water quality analyses. So we can actually get a pretty good handle on how our system reacts. And again, that is 
based on just making sure our water is safe uh, so we can fight all of those nasties within our water system here. So water quality is not going to be the focus of today, but we have got a huge amount of knowledge uh, based on our water quality. And we can use that paired together with our flushing studies to actually create some pretty great analysis to ensure that we do have some great water quality for our residents or our users of our system here. Interesting. And I assume that can be kind of contaminant specific as to length of flushing or um, targeted velocities or something? Absolutely. So, yeah, there's. When I think about flushings, we've kind of got two competing aspects here. So we can use our water quality model. We can jump in, figure out what areas of the model we need to flush or what areas of our system we need to flush, or it's customer complaints. We can figure out, okay, this subdivision has some water quality impacts. Let's go out and flush our system. So there's a couple of ways we can flush our systems. One way is called our conventional, which is just going out opening up a hydrant, flushing that water out for a period of time, or flushing that out until we have clear water coming through, it's high turbidity safe. We flush that system till it runs clear, and then that is our conventional by just opening up that 100 hydrant. On the other side, we do have uh, the option for our unidirectional flushing events. This is a little bit more in depth, where we actually go out and plan out uh, in more detail. So we figure out where we have those issues. Maybe it's a long, a long main transmission main line or a distribution network for our, our subdivision that we may have built out there. We go ahead and figure out where our valves are. We operate those valves, close them off, and then we go ahead and open up that hydrant at the end of that line. What that does is it creates a focused pathway for our water to actually flow down those pipes and increase those velocities. As it increases those velocities, it's going to provide more scour and also potentially clean those pipes out a little bit better for us. But, so there are our main processes, unidirectional and our conventional. When we actually think about our flushing, we are opening up hydrants in our network. So when we open up hydrants, that's going to cause a lot more pressure loss. And with all our water distribution, typically you want to keep it above 20 PSI to protect our public health here. So to make sure we have water always flowing out of our system and not coming into the system and causing more issues. So the first thing we need to check is that we have 20 PSI continually through our system, especially when we open up hydrants for either our conventional or our unidirectional flushing events. Along the same lines, competing with that is when we get higher velocities that we may need to scour out our pipes, this means we need more flow. So to get more flow means we have to open up more hydrants. When we open up more hydrants, means we're gonna get more of a pressure drop, which can lead to issues by not meeting that 20 PSI. So it is a bit of a juggling act there, but we can use hydraulic modeling to actually show us where those uh, areas of concern are. We can actually estimate that before we run into any issues within the field here. So that really is those aspects of our flushing that we should take into account. Maintaining a pressure uh, based on those regulations, typically 20 PSI, 
and then also aiming for a higher velocity for actually flushing our system. That's really where our hydraulic models come into play, really do that analysis for us here. Well, that's interesting because it kind of sounds like there could be two different roles conflicting there. Yes, yeah, so that they are those two different rules of, okay, we open up lots of hydrants, but when we open up lots of hydrants, we're going to have more of a pressure drop. That pressure drop might drop below uh, intrusion of water. Again, we get that intrusion of our groundwater. It may be contaminated, and that contaminated water into our source drinking is going to probably, hopefully, only lead to complaints. Uh, and not a public health concern here. So really jumping in, making sure we have got that public health, because that is our number one reason for our water distribution systems here, making sure we've got that nice, tasty, potable water for all of our residents here. Yeah, absolutely. That's like the top concern. Um, so speaking to velocities, like you mentioned, are there any target flushing velocities that they're aiming for during these flushing operations? So each system's going to be unique. And the way I look at it is we do have some target velocities. Uh, typically anything greater than two and a half, three feet per second is probably going to get some pretty effective scar in your system. But the main takeaway, I think, is actually looking at those average days or those usual days, and you can figure out how much velocity and how much scale you actually get through those pipes, just on an average day. When we're looking at our flushing programs, ideally we want to increase that localised scale or localised uh, flow through that pipe, uh, either using our conventional or that unidirectional flow. So. Again, this is where our hydraulic model can come into play quite nicely. We can jump into our model, run it for an average day or a usual day, figure out what our peak velocities are. Maybe we've got some diagonal curves. We can figure out our peak flows, peak velocities, and then we can compare and contrast that to a flushing program. So with that flushing program, I might try aim for a one feet per second increase or two feet per second increase above those usual days uh, by going ahead and opening those hydrants in our system. Also got a uh, some of those big transmission mains. Uh, you may already have self-cleaning velocities there. So again, using that hydraulic model to inform where those likely areas where we can actually achieve some pretty good flushing velocities and some efficiencies and actually opening up those pipes really comes into play so we can really focus our attention there. But great question. Yeah, and just as a little plug um, for our podcast here, I know Diego has talked in our previous podcast about hydraulic modeling and how it's a great tool for flushing and water quality analyses overall. So if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, be sure to jump back a couple of episodes and, and catch that one too. Um, it ties in pretty nicely to what we're talking about today. Um, but now I'll, I'll get back on track here um, and just was curious um, if there are any sort of specific tools that they need for this unidirectional flushing um, planning and modeling, just anything that could help out overall. Absolutely. So when I think about any of our 
flushing studies or any of our master planning documents, like you mentioned, ties very nicely back into Diego's uh, podcast about calibrating your model. So we really want to have a nice calibrated model that we trust uh, and we can work through and create some pretty nice reliable results from that model. So with a nice calibrated hydraulic model, we know the uh, roughness of our pipes, the average demands, our status of those pipes uh, or valves, and then we can use that to inform our flushing program. So once we've got that nice calibrated model, then we can go ahead and uh, jump out and model the impact of just going through and conventionally opening up some of our hydrants one at a time. And we've got some pretty nice tools within water gems where we can jump in and automate that process. So we go ahead, we select all of those hydrants that we'd like to flush. Once we've selected all those hydrants, we can put it into our flushing module and we can run that very quickly. So pretty easy to set up and very easy to visualize those results out of our system. So once we've done that modeling, uh, the next key really is to jump out into the field, make sure uh, everything is looking good. If we do run our hydraulic model and we figure out, okay, why are our conventional flushing? So that's that module where you can just choose all of those hydrants that we'd like to flush by just opening them up, uh, setting an emitter coefficient, then flushing those for a set period of time. Figure out those velocities. If those velocities aren't high enough, then we can jump into that unidirectional. So actually operating valves and increasing some of those uh, velocities and those water flow paths for our system. This is where we can actually jump into the field, especially if we're doing unidirectional flushing. We actually need to make sure we can operate those valves. So jumping in the field before we actually go ahead and commit to this uh, program of unidirectional flushing is pretty important. Again, we can work with our operational staff for this, and really get a good handle on how we want to map out, especially if we do find those closed valves within the system. We can get operations to tell us that, or sorry, not closed valves, I say inoperable valves. Uh, we find those valves, we can update our hydraulic model, and then we can run our analyses again to uh, infer which valves we should close to increase those velocities through our pipes. So once we've got our model, we've field logged it, and then we can actually create some field flushing reports within the hydraulic model. So that's going to tell our operators in the field or our maintenance crews how to run through each of those unidirectional flushing events. So we can go out, <coughs> uh, flush one hydrant, close those valves, flush the hydrant, come back. The next step is, okay, we're going to open those valves up again, close the hydrant, close these additional valves and then flush another hydrant, then we can work our way through the whole system. So unidirectional flushing is a great tool. And really, typically the data requirements are going to be having a nice calibrated hydraulic model. Also knowing how long or length of pipe you can flush based on that resourcing of your maintenance crew. So how many pipes, how many valves, how many hydrants can they open in a night or in a day, depending on when you are flushing. And that can inform your hydraulic model decisions here and really create those uh, reports to inform us how we can go ahead and use that for our model run here. 
Great. So um, just that was a lot of information. I'm just taking it in. Um, another aspect. So if we're flushing a system maybe with contaminants, where is that water going to end up? I know that that's kind of a big concern just from an environmental standpoint. Yeah, for sure. So that's also another asset we need to take into account when we are flushing our system. So if we have got those contaminants, uh, depending on what they are, maybe we don't want those to go into receiving water. So if we do have issues like that, what we should do is actually come up with a plan. And that's where we can jump into our hydraulic model and figure out uh, where those areas of concern are, where we may be hitting that receiving water that we don't actually want those contaminants going in. Otherwise, we can set up, uh, let's say it's chlorine, we can set up dechlorination uh, or discharging to land, depending on what those guidelines say to you. So just something to take into account when we are flushing those contaminants out of our system, uh, really figuring out we are flushing water out of our distribution system, where is that going and will that have any uh, bad impacts on our system here? Yeah, it all seems to tie back to that hydraulic modeling um, one way or another, just to make sure that you have something set up in place to make sure it's not only being done effectively and efficiently, but safely. Absolutely, yeah. So that's that's really where uh, hydraulic modeling comes into play, having a nice calibrated model where we can get some pretty realistic results out of that. That's that's the key to our flushing program here. We can, you can go out and just flush your system. Uh, again, if you've got complaints on turbidity or color or taste, uh, we can jump out there, flush that hydrant, uh, the closest hydrant, show that we are doing something for that user or our customer, but that doesn't really show the impacts and where that water is coming from. That's really one of our great things within our software is we can actually put on flow trace lines so we can actually see where that system is going, especially if we jump into our digital twin as well. So a nice Very cool. take there. Yeah. So and and I I know kind of then looking at a hydraulic model standpoint you're doing all of these flushing studies in the model, running them to make sure you know you have adequate um, processes set up. So what would be some of those typical results from those studies that you're running within the model? Yeah, great question. So typically, our conventional is going to work great for just bringing fresh water into the system. So works well for our dead ends, those looped areas uh, where we have one direction of our flow typically for our usual, uh, usual day uh, operations, so going around those closed valves or loop systems, that conventional works really well at bringing in fresh water into our system. With that conventional as well, we should always try and aim to flush with clean water before us, or behind us, I should say. So as we're flushing new hydrants, we're essentially just bringing new water throughout our whole system as we go through. Uh, locations, if we've got a couple of sources, uh, sometimes having one source shut off just for that flushing program, so turning off some pumps, maybe isolating a tank, uh, we can actually get that flow of our water going through and creating more of a more effective flush for our system. Uh, if we do have some pretty gridded areas, so maybe in uh, large cities, sometimes that 
uh, unidirectional flushing event may work better going in there, closing our valves so we can actually focus where our flushing impacts will be. Uh, and I kind of touched on it before, but we do not have that much impact on our large transmission mains because they are where our water is already focused, coming from our water treatment plant or from our tanks. Uh, not really going to have much of an impact if we look to flush those. So typically we're looking at flushing our residential uh, sized mains, really increasing those velocities and scouring those out because those large transmission mains probably do have higher velocities here for us. Right, so that high velocity would then fall into essentially a self-cleaning, self-flushing um, area. Correct, yes, absolutely. Okay, um, and then just looking at the flushing process and the analysis of everything, is there sort of like a suggested analysis or process for flushing in general? Yeah, so again, this ties back into our hydraulic modeling. Again, starting with that great calibrated model with some good initial conditions. So we've got a number of tools that we can bring in our initial conditions via water gems. A SCADA Connect, a great way to bring in historical live data into our model, and that can update our initial conditions. So pumps on, tank levels really help us out with those flushing studies. As I mentioned before, really jump into the model, figure out what our usual velocities are, our peak velocities, uh, if we're looking at scouring out and cleaning our pipe. So if we do uh, looking at our conventional flushing, maybe we just want to uh, open up our hydrants, bring in new water, and we can use that conventional flushing module within our hydraulic model just to ensure that we have got those 20 PSI across our whole system. So we've got some pretty nice tools within our OpenFlow software to do that, namely water gems here. So what we can do, we've got the calibrated model, initial conditions, jump in, run that extended period simulations, find those peak velocities, and use that to compare and contrast when we jump into our unidirectional. We can also run our water quality analysis within the hydraulic model, figure out how our water flows throughout our system from each source, what does that mixing look like, and then we can figure out if we need to shut off any of those sources to increase our flushing velocities for our system. So first thing first, uh, since conventional flushing is just jumping out and opening up hydrants, it doesn't take as much impact as our unidirectional. Run that conventional flushing module, figure out if we do get some increases in our velocities, compare and contrast that against our usual day. So we can use uh, a number of tools within WaterGems, user data extensions, we can make our own equations where we can look at our flushing velocity, uh, under our conventional and then also just our usual day demand, make a comparison of those, see what the increase in our flushing velocities are, and then we can color code that based on our map. So we can quickly see the areas that we do get adequate flushing velocities for those uh, certain areas of the pipe. With that same map, we have color coded that uh, or use our flex tables to sort uh, we can focus in on those areas of our model where we want to jump in and do some unidirectional flushing events. Run those unidirectional flushing events, figure out those increases in our velocities, compare that against our usual velocities within the model. And then once we've got those, we can figure out our most effective ways to flush our system. 
lay all of those out, figure out which ones, which hydrants we want to operate as conventional, flush those, and also we can pair that with our unidirectional where we can actually jump out and uh, operate our valves, flush the system, create those higher velocities to scour out for our water quality or our water quality issues in our system here. So lots of options we can do within our hydraulic model. And it really is such a powerful tool for our system here. So I think hopefully I've covered pretty much all of our flushing studies, why we're doing it and how we can do it within our softwares. So I think hopefully I've covered off high yeah. level. <laughs> I'd say, Simon, uh, that was very informative. I know I always tell you this after any sort of demonstration we give together or just any time I have a question about water, but I feel like I always learn something new anytime I talk to you. So um, I really appreciate you hopping on this podcast with me today and just, you know, taking the time to talk about all things flushing. Absolutely. Like, I'm sorry for rambling on again. When I get started on water, I just keep <laughs> talking and talking. So uh, hopefully we can sort that out and post it in here. It's never a ramble. It's at least uh, it's clear, you know, some people can ramble and not be as clear, but I always do learn something from you. So I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us today. And for our listeners, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to learn more with Bentley's experts. We have a great variety of topics coming up from industry trends to real solutions to expert insights, so you won't want to miss out.